Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to gay time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined for the first segment by uh, co-host Blake Murphy. We're expecting to get Raptors point guard Dennis Schroeder on the line in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, but uh, yeah, Blake, how are you feeling? The morning after uh, Alex's uh, official book launch, he is uh, he's actually right here in the set, but he's actually not going to speak today. Uh, but he is just sitting in the corner eating a bagel. But uh, Blake, I'm trying to buy you some time so you can fix your microphone. Dude, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm right? great other than how short certain people are who use this studio yeah, after us. All of uh, and also, jeez, I can't shouldn't wear a hat with this lighting. Uh, I'm, I'm casting shadows here. Uh, no, I'm good. I, I think I'm in... Uh, I'm fresher than than you guys. I was home in time to watch the the fourth quarter of uh, the 76ers and Bucks and to catch most of that Lakers Suns game. But mostly a very very fun night last night. Obviously, yeah. uh, very great to celebrate Alex and his book, but a, a very cool celebration of the community around the the basketball team in the city. Yeah, no, seriously. So I mean, I know we talked about it ad nauseum um, on the show, uh, but it was great to see so many people come out. So many people show love to um, the program. Um, just like honestly. It, I was really, really impressed with sort of the the scale of the event that U of T was able to put on. Obviously, we were in um, their gym. I don't know why I'm stumbling on their gym. Gold Ring High Gold Performance Ring, Center? Of course, man. Of course. That's like we're literally where OVO uh, games used to take place. That is where Raptors 905 have done their open tryouts oh. uh, to the public several times. So okay. that is most of my experience there is going and sitting up in the gondola and watching the Joe Wolfons of the world I was gonna try ask, out you for the 905. For I wasn't there the Wolfon day, but okay. there were like, a, the, I think I went twice and there were like lots of normies out there. Lots of normies. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, you, everyone got to chase their hoop dreams no matter how. Yeah. So, um, you know, I respect that. But, no, it was it was a great event last night. Saw so many people come out. Again, 500-plus people in attendance. A lot of people talking about, you know, um, there's just the history of the franchise. And, you know, I think it was really cool to see, like, multi-generations of fans. You know, I saw... Multi-generations of the Wong family. Well, that too. That was the first time I seen uh, Alex's parents as he's nodding over there, chomping down in this bagel. I bought him for free. Yeah. Uh, we got the parents. We got the nephews. We got the whole Instagram famous family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for me, it was like seeing like day one fans who were there who were like in attendance in Skydome for that game and like seeing like, you know, fans even bef- of basketball before the Raptors came about and sort of like I-, I met this guy from Indiana and he was like, you know, I'm a big Hoosier fan, I'm a big OG fan. I'm a big Pacer fan, um, but you know, when uh, you know when the Raptors came into town, obviously you got to sort of you know attach yourself to there as well, and it was just such a great um, great celebration overall. Is, is Alex actually going to join us live on air? What's going on, man? Why are you why are you holding your hand up? I mean, you guys are literally talking about me, oh, okay. and I'm right We're here celebrating you. Yeah, so I just want to say thanks. I mean, I just I'm I'm wearing a ridiculous fit today, and my desk is a mess, but because I thought I was going to be off air, oh. but no. I'll be honest. Yeah. So when I walked into the Gold Ring High Performance Center yesterday, and mm-hmm. the first thing you see when you come down the stairs is the big uh, long table where you could purchase copies of Prehistoric, as mm-hmm. Will bullied everyone into doing, making sure they did. Hey. Uh, there were there was gear that you could buy there, and it was U of T gear. But <laughs> I thought at first, like you're wearing a, a Pitbull tour shirt. I, it crossed my mind that you would have had like an Alex Wong t-shirt ready to go for people yeah prehistoric merch is coming in uh, november just want to dust to settle from this event but no i appreciate you guys you know i think it was cool like blake like you mentioned up top it's super cool just to like see the community and see the multi-generation like you mentioned to to not just celebrate the beginning of the raptors but just like talk about what basketball has meant to so many people personally in the city so 
it's uh it was great it was great it was uh it was a great book as uh matt devlin once said no but seriously it, it was uh it was just fun too because you got to step into talking to so many um fans again like the, the guy I was talking about he his son is now like 14 and like six foot four and like playing au basketball here in toronto and like oh you're you talking know. about tom o'grady or no, john Beethoven? someone else okay let's move on. i'm sorry i'm not good with names but i, I do remember <laughs> having this conversation and it's just like i think there is needs to be appreciation for the fact that like there are other teams where you have such a long generation of history of like going back to the 50s and 60s with teams like you know the lakers and the celtics and and the knicks and whatever but i think for the raptors like you do have to look back and appreciate. Like, we're almost going on 30 years of the franchise being in existence, and mm-hmm. there's just been... I think that's the part that's really been beautiful, too. Like, I think there are definitely no grandpas who are, like, have grandchildren from that era of, like, starting with the team and, and now really, like, passing on two generations. But we're firmly in that sort of one generation and the second generation now, and I think... I don't know. It was just great to see the community come out. Lots of great food as well. Um, you know, I didn't hear much of your panel. I'm sorry. I was talking to people the whole time in the back, but I mean, I'm sure you said some good things. That's that's the one thing I, I mean, I guess is the gift and the curse that it was like my event. Like I was really bummed out because like I just want to hang out with all you guys. Like it seemed like just talking to everybody today, like everybody had their own like, you know, favorite memories from the event and stuff. And um, yeah, my favorite memory was just shouts to University of Toronto security man, Clayton, uh, who was protecting me. Um, the entire night yes as i was book signing halfway through the book signing because there's too many people in line flex and like he was like stop writing personal messages to them <laughs> he's, he's like, like wrap just, it up yeah so he went to the line he's like no more selfies with alex he's gonna autograph and you move <laughs> so wow it was like a whole thing i guess that's the guy i tried to bring you a beer at one point and got like stiff armed <laughs> and then and then <laughs> at the end of the night there's still a lineup and clayton was like hey man you mind if I skip the line? I just bought your book. Can you write me a personal message? I'm like, this is so funny. Yeah, well, at the end of the night, I also told him, I was like, is, is that not John Bittop Jr.? I thought he was John. Well, and it was, well The original team owner for people No, it was know. also funny too. Like my mom literally just messaged uh, me. She said, I have become famous now last night because of you. Because so many people came up to my parents mm, and my nephews. Because right. obviously I engage with them like with my social media content. And sure. they, yeah, you got a chance to talk to to my parents. That was awesome. Yeah, you know, I got to talk to them in Guoyu. All right, yeah, in, that's in, Mandarin. In Mandarin. Way, yeah. All right, um, you know, but no, it was great. Last so, thought, I, I will just say is uh, I was on Raptors Reddit today, and a couple of the trending topics were all the like gear and throwback stuff yes. from the event as well. So the people you brought out to <laughs> yeah. show their stuff that you had mentioned in the yeah. book or talked about was, in the book yeah. also got to show out a little bit. And yeah, that was like my people friend. Really yeah. appreciated it. That was my friend Kai, who's a who's a long time. Uh-huh. A Raptors memorabilia collector, and then he was able to be there. And it was funny, like John Bitov, the the first owner of the team, came up to me uh, as the event was starting, and he's like, "Where did you get all this Raptors stuff?" And I'm like, "No, it's not mine." And he was so fascinated by it, I was able to introduce him mm. to Kai, and then like they got a kick out of it and stuff. So again, it's it's just like we talk about anytime we do all these events, just about connecting people, right? Connecting yeah. the dots and stuff. For sure. All right, tap me out. Thanks for the save, guys. Thanks for the save. Yeah, that that big hook that for some reason is hanging behind Alex is just going to come in and drag him <laughs> off, uh, drag yeah. him off the show for the next. Oh, I made such a good impression 15. with your parents, and I screwed it up the next day on live television right. across You're the country. Right. Um, yeah, you want to so- pivot the way you did after the event? You caught a little bit of these games. I know we'll talk about them yeah, more yeah. with Dan Wojcicki, uh after we speak to Dennis Schroeder in, in five or seven minutes here. Um, yeah, uh, high level. I, I don't know how much I, I know in the office you were watching. Buck Sixers, I think that's probably the more relevant game yeah, to Raptors yeah. fans. Nick Nurse's debut with the Sixers. Of course, the Dame Giannis pairing. The Raptors are playing the 76ers tomorrow. Uh, quick take uh, on that one, having caught up today. Honestly, so uh, I caught up on just both games. Um, 
I think to me it was just really cool. Like uh, big picture wise, you have the late game on the West Coast being KD versus LeBron, which hasn't taken place in quite a while. Um, but just since like 2019, right? Yeah, they, I was they really just surprised keep missing each other's games. Yeah, um, and obviously, like they've been in different conferences, and it's a little bit hard. But now they're obviously both in the West, um, so you'll see them together a lot more. But great matchup between those two. That was like a for the longest time the generational battle, right? In terms of like who was the best small forward. I mean, obviously LeBron was the best. KD was number two, but you know they've had some great battles. Obviously, going into the finals between the Warriors and the Cavs. And then even in the previous game, it was like watching like Embiid versus Giannis. And, uh, you know, obviously Dame kind of stole the show. He was so good. Kelly Oubre kind of stole the show. <laughs> he was so good. But, like, even watching that battle between Embiid and Giannis, it's like that's the one generational battle for at least this current era. They're currently in their prime, and we're going to keep seeing them go up head-to-head. I don't think they've actually seen each other in the playoffs yet, which I think kind of hurts hmm. that rivalry. And somehow they've just avoided each other. Yeah, it's just one of those teams plays the Celtics every time instead. Yes. Or yes. the Heat. Or the Heat and, um, you know, or the Raptors, actually, because the Raptors actually beat both of them on the way to the uh, championship back in the day. Um, But, yeah, seriously, it it was just fun watching, like, those two, like, big pairings go up against each other. And especially because I I watched the the Suns and uh, Lakers game fourth quarter live. It was just, like, watching KD, who essentially had no help beside him, um, you know, carry so much of the scoring. Versus LeBron, who actually had a really quiet game, but he has teammates around him. AD obviously had a, a really good game as well. But LeBron taking over down the stretch to like edge ahead of KD, I was like, yo, this is so perfect. Like, I, it, it hit and me guarding like really each other for stretches. I, I know yeah. KD's uh, initial check was AD a lot of the time, right, right. but that was in part so they could switch that stuff and KD and LeBron guarding each other a little bit. Um, LeBron picking off uh, a tough KD pass, you know, skying up to, mm. to come up with a big turnover in, in a key spot there. I'm with you, man. It was a lot of fun. I, I still have, I know the Lakers won that game. But no Beal, no Booker. I still have so many questions uh, about the Lakers. Like uh, I had mentioned in the opener, they were minus 19 in the 19 minutes LeBron sat. Last wow. night, they were minus 17 in the 13 minutes he sat. So they're losing by more than a point a minute over two games now when LeBron hits the bench. And this is a Lakers team that like was supposed to be deeper, was supposed to be better equipped for that. And they just went up against that paper-thin Suns team and barely hung on. So um, I think the, both those teams are going to be fascinating to, to watch the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, some strange rotation players playing some extended minutes, I would say. Was not too impressed with Gabe Vincent. Um, 35 minutes. Uh, a lot of Christian Wood guarding KD down the stretch. Uh, which was, wow, I mean, if I had to pick somebody to, to guard KD, I think Christian Wood would probably be in the 200s among NBA players. Uh, Torian Prince starting, a little surprise. Um, you know, Cam Reddish, Jackson Hayes. Now they're in like, I mean, the Suns, we already know that their depth is a little suspect, but like so much Eric Gordon, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just like Drew Eubanks for playing a bigger role, like Jordan Goodwin coming in and actually giving them some buckets, but also, like, that's not really serious. Like, I just think, yeah, like, both these teams are, like, incredibly top-heavy. And I do feel like, especially for these star players, like, if you are going to join a team in free agency, you're almost always capping your team with that kind of roster build. Well, and and look, we haven't really seen the effect of this yet because we haven't hit the buyout market, and I don't have the exact tax level for both of these teams in front of me. But one of the new changes in the CBA to try to prevent this kind of super over-the-tax super team thing is you're going to be really restricted in who you can add via the buyout market. Mm-hmm. So historically, you know, the, the Heat Big Three who would just get one or two extra guys in March every year or could get every guy to a veteran minimum in the offseason. You can obviously still sign guys to the veteran minimum in the offseason, but 
the buyout market's going to change significantly. If you're a, if you're a, an above the apron team, mm-hmm. you're not going to be allowed to sign guys in the buyout market who made over X amount of dollars during the season. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, these these teams, I think historically we look at it and think, well, they'll add one or two pieces, you know, either at the deadline or the buyout market. Um, the rules are now more restrictive on trading if you're one of these teams as well. So I don't know if the path to that is quite as clear. Now, of course, Phoenix is going to have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker at some point, and then there is way less Eric Gordon and less Nasir Little and less Jordan yeah. Goodwin, which resolves some stuff. But to my point, when we did our over-unders, um, you know, I don't know that you're getting more than 60, 65 games out of any of their big three. So how they look in games like this is still pretty important for the regular season success. Yeah, for sure. I think you were definitely right about that. Um at least through two games, but also at the same time, like I just get the impression too, like there was not a very impressive style of play from the Suns. I, I, I get that again, like they're out to star players, but there was no system in place where it's like other guys would sort of step in, or at least like let the system create some of the offense for you. It was just let KD create the offense for you. And like everybody else, maybe you can get a little bit of something on the side. Like it was just like, I don't know. I mean, I guess Frank Vogel's there mostly to coach up the defense mm-hmm. and defensively. I guess they were okay, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I think offensively the plan is going to be Nurkic screens a lot and KD, Booker, and, and Beal yeah. can just get to their buckets so many different ways. But yeah, on a night where instead of Booker and Beal, it's Grayson and Allen and Eric Gordon or Grayson and Allen and Jordan Goodwin, like it's not going to, yeah. it's not going to look nearly as good. Utah had a rough one as well on that one. Yeah, um, that's, I feel bad for him, but I mean, at the same time, like, you know, you can't expect that much out of you. Too, you I mean, I mean? You, like, can, you can feel bad because like, yeah, he's, he probably shouldn't have those level of expectations on him. But at the exact same time, um, he's in a really good situation to get to play for a really competitive team. Right. Okay. So we talked about the Lakers, um, Lakers, former point guard, Dennis Schroeder, who is now the Raptors current point guard is actually joining us on the show. So um, Dennis, what's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well, Dennis. I appreciate you joining us. Um, I understand the plan is that uh, you'll be joining us fairly frequently. So welcome to, I guess, your first weekly appearance. But um, yeah, I just wanted to get us started here. So you you treated the fans to an incredible debut, right? Um, 22 points, 7 assists, hit a clutch 3 in the fourth quarter, some big assists down the stretch, some pretty great defense as well. Uh, how did it feel for you? Because I think for all of us, we were all very happy. Yeah, I mean, it felt great. I mean, first game uh, in front of the home crowd. I think it's a very special home opener um, at the house and um, very confident about uh, our group. Um, love the coach, uh, coaching staff, organization. Everything is really structured. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, um, playing tonight against Chicago. And um, that's another important one. Dennis, you mentioned the home crowd at Scotiabank Arena. I'm sure that felt good. How did it hit to have Herbie Kuhn, the PA announcer, uh, announce your name now that you're on the Raptor side of things? I know you had gotten a kick out of his pronunciations in the past. I'm sorry. I couldn't understand what you were saying. He was breaking up. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the PA announcer, Herbie Kuhn at Scotiabank Arena, I know you had gotten a kick in the past out of how he's pronounced your name uh, so effectively and so specifically. Did that hit a little different now that you're a member of the Raptors? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, always great when somebody says my last name uh, the right way, you know. And um, every time when I played in Toronto, when I was with a different team, I was always, you know, happy to go to Toronto because he's the only one in the NBA who's saying it right. Um, So I'm really excited to, you know, uh, every home game that uh, somebody's there who's saying it right. So um, very excited. 
Yeah, Dennis, I, I already have to apologize because you told me in person how to pronounce it when we interviewed you in Vegas. Um, yeah. And then this morning, literally, I was talking to my girlfriend, just like preparing for the show. And I'm like, I'm going to interview Dennis and I'm going to practice just how to say his name like four or five times. Let me hear. Schroeder. Let me hear. Schroeder. Schroeder. Oh, man. It's, it's difficult, man. This is, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it eventually. I'm gonna dig it out eventually. I, you know. You had practice yeah. with Jakob Pertl as well. That one's somehow a little bit easier. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking German with him right now. Uh, every <laughs> single game, practice, and uh, oh, yeah? it's always great to have someone. Yeah, yeah. I, I he think speaks fluently, and um, nobody understands us on the court. Coaching staff always looking at us. So. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's nice. Um, okay, yeah. Actually, we wanted to ask you a little bit in terms of just like your, um, I mean. Your experience, obviously, this summer with Germany was so great. And, um, you know, I understand you're a huge, huge star there, uh, in addition to being, like, obviously very well-known here as well. But in Germany, is a different level. Um, that level of success in, in that you had with Germany, how does that, like, change your confidence? Like, was your confidence always there and you kind of got to show it at that level with Germany leading them to the World Cup? Um, or is that something where it's like you did so well and now you have even more confidence to sort of continue it on here for the Raptors? I think confidence is always there. I think uh, in the league, uh, you know, you need confidence to stay in this league uh, a long time and uh, believe in your work. And, um, of course, uh, the national team that we won last year, the bronze medal in the European Championship, and this summer um, the gold medal is, of course, uh, something, you know, what we all waited for and um, that we're glad that we won it because it means a lot for the country. Um, it never happened before. And, um, yeah, that I'm coming back here. Of course, I'm going to be uh, ultra-aggressive, ultra-confident. Um, um, but I'm confident about this this whole group because, I mean, like I said or mentioned, the coaching staff and coach doing a great job of um, playing similar to what we did in the, in, the, in the summer with the national team. So, moving the ball, playing defense, one of our defense, you know, give it rebounds, kick it ahead. Everybody's touching it, moving it. Um, that's, that's unique basketball uh, nowadays. Um, I mean, there's a couple of teams out there who plays like that, but it's really hard to guard. So I'm really looking forward to uh, um, being in that system and giving, um, earning the trust from coach as well um, that, you know, I can be out there being myself. And, um, I mean, I'm out here, you know, this year, to prove people wrong, and um, we wasn't on the map, and that's great with the Toronto Raptors this year. Um, that motivates us as a group, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Dennis, you mentioned some of the similarities in principles between the way Germany played, the way Coach Darko wants to play. Your particular role, obviously with Germany, you're the lead scorer there, right? You are, I know Franz has a big role and there are other capable scorers, but you're the guy who has the ball in his hands when, when they need a key bucket. With this Raptors team, you're shifting into more of a, you know, you're, you're still able to score, but but a lower usage role, more of a, a distributor and help guys get into their spots. How has that change been for you? You know, going from the role you had with the Lakers to this larger scoring role with Germany and now back to a role with the Toronto Raptors. I think it, it don't change. I, I play my game and um, I'm a first uh, pass point guard who reads um, the game and uh, whatever is um, asked for me to do if it's taking five shots only or 10 shots or 15 shots, I would do it because I read the game and I just try to, you know, get the best option as possible in every pick and roll. 
And um, of course, we got so much talent here in this locker room with Scotty Barnes, Siakam, Ananobi, uh, Gary Trent off the bench. Uh, we got so many people, Jakob Perdo, uh, putting pressure on the rim after um, screening and rolling. Uh, we got so much, you know, um, so much quality and talent in this room. But end of the day, I just try to be myself. And um, that's what Toronto asked me to do as well because they know I'm capable of, you know, putting people in position and playing the right way and playing um, winning basketball. So um, I'm just, you know, trying to do that every single game. Yeah. Well, it seems like you guys are having a great time around the Raptors because in preseason, already by preseason, everyone's already doing the free celebration. So I wanted to ask you, how did this free celebration come about? And after this, I want you to teach us a little bit of how to do the free celebration properly. Because I know Grady hit the wrong arm. But tell us through, yeah. like, your signature celebration. Because this is very cool. Um, I mean, it started uh, off a Buwe game. Uh, it's a card game yeah. uh, with everybody, like, 80% of the the NBA plays. And, um, I mean, it's uh, similar to spades. You, you know, um, it's like uh, with books. And when you have ace king behind it mm. in your hand and you got already a book you're winning the pot whatever is in the pot anyway and uh we got it from there because that's where we uh, always said freeze um and uh i mean we uh was joking around you know having a great time with the lakers last year played a lot of you know cards and stuff and braun ad me um austin reeves uh, everybody who was playing um, was hitting the freeze every single time. And then we mm. played in 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 Portland, uh, was down 30 at half, and uh, came back all the way. And I had a big three in the fourth to go up five, I believe. And uh, that's when I started, you know, um, hitting the freeze. Um, and since then, we just kept it going. And I watched the game last night from the Lakers, and yeah. they're still doing it. Oh. You know, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just great. I'm not saying it's just you know mine. It's, it was a whole team thing. Yeah. And uh, everybody having fun, and it builds chemistry as well. And um, everybody here with the Toronto enjoying it already in practice. When they hit the three, they're hitting the freeze already. So, <laughs> um, it's. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. Well, we saw Grady do it. You know, Grady's a rookie. He'll learn. You know, it's it's with your shooting hand. So you know the the right arm. Uh, I saw Garrett Temple hitting it on the bench as well. So it, it's honestly it's great. Um, you know, and and I do hope that uh, I don't know. I hope you find some card buddies in Toronto as well. Um, but, you know, I definitely know LeBron's a, definitely a big card player. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Alex is itching to get back in the conversation <laughs> now that we're talking King about playing like, cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, another great thing around the team, right? We we saw the celebration for Darko after the game. Um, mm -hmm. I want to ask you from the player's perspective, did you guys all know you guys want to do that? Like whose idea was it to come up to do that for coach? Um, you know, we'll start there actually. Yeah. I had, um, I had an interview, um, on the court. So okay. right when I got in, uh, like 20 seconds later, um, doc would just sprinted in and jumped, you know, and, uh, was really excited about getting the first win. And we didn't even talk about it, really. But okay. I seen Scotty Barnes already with a bucket. Ooh. And, uh, I mean, I did it last year for coach uh, in uh, Darvingham in, in the, uh, with the Lakers. Um, but that, I didn't, I didn't really um, see who, you know, talked about it. Probably uh, the OGs, uh, <laughs> Garrett uh, Temple and uh, Daddy is Young. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. That's what I'm saying. It builds team chemistry. 
um, everybody being happy for each other. And, um, I mean, coach deserved that one for sure uh, for the first game. Dennis, you obviously have a relationship with Coach Darko going back to your OKC time. Um, how how has that helped with your transition to the Raptors here? What did you know about Coach coming in here, and what have you learned about him? I mean, it makes it easy for me. I mean, I'm always a guy who want to be comfortable and uh, who plays at his best when he's really comfortable and know his people around him. And Darko, he's all about the right things. You know, family person like I am. He got two uh kids wife um i mean uh, i mean i got three kids but uh, <laughs> i mean he just you know asked me about uh the family every single time and it's genuine like you can tell like he cares about it um asked me to go to dinner with him and we did that you know five years back when i got to okc he called me right away um i'm inviting you to tonight you know at that day when i got to okc um me and my wife uh we grabbed dinner with him and since then you know we just um kept building a relationship and it's always great um to have a coach who trusts um you and trust your work and what you're about and he knows exactly that i do everything in my power to win a basketball game and that you have somebody like that you just you know feel free um play free and um um, being comfortable in that uh, position, situation I'm in. Right. Well, I mean, I think it was interesting uh, talking to a couple of people about just why the Raptors chose to hire Darko. One of the things that really came up was just he's so personable. He's able to build these really strong relationships with players. And I don't know, I guess I just didn't appreciate that, like, not all coaches, like, you know, take this kind of effort to go out to dinner, meet the family, like, and, and really, like, over time, even when you're not even on the same team anymore, still maintain that contact. And, uh, I think that, yeah, Darko seems like a pers- people person, first and foremost, which is really cool. Um, I want to ask you, too. And he's keeping hey, people yeah? accountable. Sorry. He's keeping people accountable. It don't matter if it's the, you know, the best, uh, the number one guy or the, the 13th guy on mm. the team, you know. And I think that's uh, really, like, I really appreciate that when a coach keeps people accountable and makes sure that everybody is still in line. Um, of course, he love him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but and at the end of the day, when something has to be said, he's not afraid to say it because he got that great relationship with guys. And he knows that or uh, keep telling people that he don't want to, you know, keep people down. Like he want to lift them up by saying yeah. um, the right things and the, the honest things as well. Yeah, that's important. Man. That's how you earn respect, too, because you can't treat yeah. the star player differently than you treat the 13th guy. Uh, last thing in terms of practice before we want to go to your your vlogs because I've been watching the <laughs> vlogs too and maybe I'll got to learn a little German from that. Um, the the post practice shooting battles, right? Every time I'm in practice, and you know the media are on like the one side of that wall right there, you're always yeah. at the the side that's like really close to the media, and it's you, uh, Garrett Temple usually, uh, Malachi. Uh, I've seen Ron Harper with that drill as well. Um, yeah, just take us through what is this three point shooting battle you guys are doing after every game. I mean, first of all, Ron Ron just picks spots. Like, he just comes and goes when (laughs) he wants to. Uh, No, but, um, I mean, that's another, like, a chemistry thing. Okay. Um, Just, uh, of course, shooting, but it's like talking, doing everybody's shooting. Everybody's just, you know, um, joking around. But it's it's, it's, um, a thing I learned from Russell Westbrook when I was in OKC. That was the same game we played, um, and he... um, put me in that game he played it with Paul George Raymond Felton and me uh, myself and 
since then, I've been doing it everywhere. I did it with the Lakers, with Boston, you know, with everyone. And um, I think it's just um, to come together, of course, to still shoot and get better, but to joke around a little bit and have fun with it as well. Yeah, I see uh, I see you and Malachi always go at each other a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I got to take care of him, but at the end of the day, we're always competing in, uh, yeah. in practice and uh, everybody's competitive in the locker room, so um everybody want to um get a w yeah yeah no for sure man there's definitely a lot of times where malachi's trying to shoot that three and you you know you're, you're hitting them a little butt tap or you're like you know you're like <laughs> slide a little contest in there i see you man i see you. i'm right but, there i but, see i see you before before he catches the ball though that's very important that's right that's right you gotta, it it's like that it's gonna be way worse in game time you know so you know you gotta practice hard too that's okay what I'm saying. we only got like three yeah. minutes left with you so we're gonna go with the vlog really quickly been watching the vlog. If you haven't seen it already, it's on YouTube. Just search Dennis Schroeder and you, you will find the vlog. And it's it's out quite regularly, too. Um, last time I was watching, yeah. and I realized, I was like, Yo, how many people live in your house? Like, not to get in your business, but it, there is a lot of videos of you, like, in the, in the home. And it was like, you guys mm -hmm. having dinner. And there's, like, like, at least seven of you guys. So, you, you know, like, just take us through <laughs> that. Like, it must be a really lively experience at home. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's how I grew up, you know, uh, being around my family, um, my friends. And I mean, I got three kids myself now. I got my wife, that's five people. Then I got my um, longtime friend. I mean, I know him since I'm like eight or nine. He mm -hmm. doing all my digital stuff, all my YouTube stuff. But at the end of the day, we friends. But he works for me. And um, that's Jewel Vision. He got his own YouTube channel as well. My wife as well. Yep. Um then I got my driver, uh, know him since the Atlanta days, yeah. uh, my second year. Um, and he lives there too. And then I got my two nannies, but my two nannies, they don't live with me, but they always, um, they always, uh, of course, uh, at the house and uh, take care of the kids if we, if we need help. And right now I got my um, two nephews and one niece here. They came from Germany because they got uh, school holidays. Oh. And it's always a full house. Um, and uh, I think that's always great to keep everybody close and to have a relationship with your family. And I think that's very important uh, or the most important in my life. Dennis, my only question about the vlog, while the weather still allows for it here, are we going to see you skating uh, around Toronto a little bit? We got a couple good skate parks here. Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. I think Masai <laughs> and Bobby not going to like that one. Yeah, we're not going to see this on record. What are you doing? I mean, it's not that long ago yeah. you were posting highlights uh, of you no, no, of you no, no, out no, there. No, so. no, no, that didn't happen. That's going to be a tough one, but uh, in the <laughs> summer for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think last time we spoke, you said you, you could do a 360 flip or something like that. So I, I definitely want to see that yeah. uh, eventually. I got, yeah. I got you. Yeah. All right. Last one, I, I think, um, before we let you go, because obviously you got to prepare for the game tonight. Big game against Chicago. You guys want to keep winning. Um, you said in the video something that was really interesting because you, you came back from the home opener. You got home. You're watching. You're having dinner. You got the iPad out and you're watching. I think I don't know, like Wemby, his debut. I guess everyone want to watch Wemby. Um, and you were being asked about sort of how you uh, feel about the Toronto fans so far. And you said something really interesting. You said, um, you know, uh, Raptor fans are really nice. You won't get ripped if you struggle. And then you know you have to understand that like players are people. Um, and that's really important to sort of like keep that balance of, you know, you got to support and still rap with people even if they're struggling. So, um, yeah, just take us into that. I mean, I, I guess this is a much larger conversation. We'll have you on lots so we can follow up on this too, but it must be like an incredible amount of feedback, both positive and negative you get as, as such a public figure. 
Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, everybody in the NBA is just human beings, you know, and I, I always, you know, on social media, so many memes. I mean, I, I experienced it, you know, uh, when that false um, news, the fake news came out or false news came out with the with the Lakers deal. And I mean, that that one and a half years after, like between that time when it came out to one and a half years, that was like my worst you know, like my worst one and a half years of my life, probably people just, you know, talking about my name and um, it was just uh, was terrible to see how people really moving uh, these days and didn't know the real comp- uh, the real the real story either. And that people just, you know, um, making memes out of uh, or they are happy when people, um, you know, fail. And, uh, I mean, that was my experience uh, about that situation. But, I mean, to come to Toronto, we didn't struggle yet because we won uh, every preseason game and yep. then this game. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I talked to a lot of, you know, players and um, the people in the organization. And um, that's what they told me. And I experienced it my first game, you know, my first uh, regular season game already. Um, but at the end of the day, not everybody or not every player can have a great game or a perfect game. Sometimes when you struggle, um, it would be nice, you know, when the fans behind you and say, no, we believe in you or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and not going uh, what I had the last couple of years where people saying, no, you suck or you, you know, and that's that's just not, either you're a fan or you're not with with us. And um, that's how I, you know, see it. And, uh, don't change it when, you know, when I become now or I became uh, the world champion of Germany where hey. everybody now talks and say, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't really appreciate that, to be honest. But at the end of the day, that's the world, that's uh, the world we live in right now. And I just take it as that and being professional. That's right. Dennis, appreciate your perspective. We'll call you next week, buddy. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Go get that one tonight. All right. That was uh, Dennis Schroeder. So he's going to join us weekly on the show or semi-weekly. We'll see. Obviously, NBA players are busy. You know, things come up, but we're going to have him on the show a lot is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, yeah, I love talking to Dennis, man. Great speaker. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's you know, helpful that he's so, you know, thoughtful about it and open about it. You know, even that answer there about, you know, what it's like when a, a fan base is negative on you. And I'm glad he hasn't experienced that yet with the Raptors fan base. You know, we've experienced it a little bit the, hey, last, Dennis, the last couple of years. I don't it, want to break it to you. It's, it's coming. Yeah, look. I'm sorry, it, man. It is we're, helpful... we, we're not special, unfortunately. But yeah, like, uh, so I, I far, know, we've been good. I know there's an attitude to some extent of like, well, that's what the money's for. But like, yeah, I mean, th- there are there's a human element here as well. And uh yeah, just, you know, people can be careful with those things. And it's it's good to hear that from him and, and have him go into kind of that entire mental feeling. Yeah, I think my last thing on this before going to break is just sometimes, especially when you're looking at media, that's, a, that's one moment in time. That's one piece of frustration in time. That's one piece of elation in time. And in the whole scope of it, that's probably not how people generally feel. But you do see those extremes. And that cannot be your reality. And that is not your reality most times. But we're going to take that break. I've been your host, Willu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, we're about to talk some Lakers. Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy. And we are joined on the line by Dan Wykey. Uh, where, where are you, Dan? You're in L.A. right now? 
I am in Torrance, California. Um, okay. In a shopping mall parking lot. Oh. Uh, charging, charging a car. Um, mm. While I uh, talk to you guys. Equal friendly. Great. Yeah. Multitasking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love the environment, guys. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, we have to, uh, especially especially with well, how things Only are going. Only one we got. Seriously. Um, uh, how, how are you guys enjoying Dennis Schroeder, by the way? How are you enjoying Dennis Schroeder? Because we, we heard that you were he on the, the Zoom call like like uh, like Shams. You know how Shams is like in the Zoom call in the background of these players meeting? <laughs> so, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. D- Dennis is the greatest. Mm. Um, he, no, he, I would say... Um, so we had Dennis in L.A. Yep. Um, during the pandemic season, not the bubble season, the one afterwards, where, like, we never got to speak to him face-to-face, right? Like, we were always just on Zoom calls and stuff like that. And it, it wasn't a great season. I would say he had a, quote, like an icy relationship with the media and okay. vice versa because we never met him in person, right? It was like, hey, dude, like, why would you have so many turnovers or something? Like, we never actually got to have any interactions, so when he resigned with the Lakers um, last season, like I would say amongst the media, we were a little, I don't want to say concerned, but like unsure as to like how it would go. Um, the best mm. loved covering Dennis Schroeder. Great, great dude. Awesome. Truth teller. Um, competitive as hell. Uh, very happy for him in Toronto. You guys are going to love him. Yeah, well, I think we already do because uh, he had 22 in his debut, and I think it was the last time uh, yeah, right? a Raptor had 22 since Kawhi Leonard, which I somehow have his jersey right behind me. Well, what? Yeah, Did you just right. pull that out of your back pocket? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Weird. There you go. Dan Dan hung up on us because he did that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I guess he was I guess he's on the Laker beat right now. So yes. him a Clipper yeah. jersey was uh, was not it. All right, Dan, I got I have one lesser serious one for you before we actually talk about the Lakers. So yesterday you guys were talking to Frank Vogel and he's talking about Austin Reeves. And he's saying, Well, yeah, I remember watching tape on him before the draft, and he operates in pick and roll like Luka Duncic. Uh, I know that Lakers exceptionalism exists. I know that Frank Vogel's moved on. Um, but man, the Austin Reeves <laughs> operates pick and roll like Luka Duncic. We, we got to calm down on Austin Reeves a little bit here, right? It is. I, I will tell you, Blake, sitting in the room when Frank Vogel said that, I was like, And, and look, I, I'm a big Austin Reeves guy, I think he's very good. Um, and I like I I understand like what Frank was saying, right? And, and basketball people do this stuff all the time, right? Where it's like, you know, oh, he moves, he has footwork in the post like Akeem Olajuwon. Like mm-hmm. you'll hear some sort of comp like this, or he has um, a closet like Kyle Kuzma, like like where okay. you take like a specific, you take a specific thread, I guess, no pun intended in this case, and, and you you attach it to a player. Right. Uh, a jump shot like Ray Allen, like the form of Ray. Allen. Now that you could say that about a player who that doesn't mean he's as good as Ray Allen. Um, but when Frank Vogel said that about Austin Reeves and I've had a lot of Austin Reeves cop conversations in the last two plus seasons, I just kind of was like, Ugh. Mm. like, I know, like, I know how this is going to sit with people. Like, this is going to be like, this is going to be a little much. Um but he's, I mean, look, I used to always comp, I used to say Austin Reeves to me was like, he was like, if um, all the gravity that DeMar DeRozan has defied, if it fell doubly on Austin Reeves, mm. that was kind of who he reminded me of was like a very grounded version of DeMar and his ability to kind of like yeah. manipulate in the mid range and get to the free throw line. Um, but yeah, it's hard. Uh, but yeah, you don't, you don't love like those, those types. You don't like to hear comps like that. You, um. I remember when I covered baseball, they would say, like, you can never compare anybody to Mickey Mantle or Bo Jackson. Um, 
I don't like. I don't think Luca's quite like that. But if you're like he runs in the pick and roll like Luka Doncic, it's sort of like okay. Yeah. You better you better score more than eleven points. <laughs> yeah. Well, that came last night. Um, really fun, honestly. I had such a nostalgic feeling watching it. You know, KD. Really? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I mean, right. explain your point to the man. No, it's Katie versus LeBron. Come on, man. Yeah. I, I know, yeah. like, both no. of them look their age to some degree, but, like, still very effective, yeah. both players. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it was kind of like being like being there in the building last night. It was kind of a weird night. Okay. And I, I think um, the vibe in the building was strange. Um, it kind of felt more like a mid-January game than, like, opening night. Okay. You know, or home opener. And uh, until the fourth quarter, right, um, when you, you did see kind of LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant kind of all go at it with each other. And it was, like, really fun to get that juice um, late. Like, this happens at Laker games periodically, right? Um, but but what was weird was the last month and a half of last season, like, every Laker game felt like the world was at stake, you know, because they were so far back in the standings. They needed to win so badly. Uh it was like a drug, right? Like all these games like really, really mattered and you couldn't ignore it. I, I think maybe I had those expectations for the start of the season mm, for okay. like as much as they talked about continuity and stuff. Is that like, oh, cool. Like this team is going to play at the same sort of intensity level, like same breakneck pace. Like it's going to be like it's going to matter to them just like it mattered to them last year because that's who they are. And in reality, like you're seeing a team that, you like you do with a lot of contenders that is very big picture oriented. Um, you know, so it's like, it's weird for me to like in that moment. Um, and it's cool. Like, I'm glad you got lost in the nostalgia of it. I know for me, it's like a beer in the moment. Like it's not fun to like look down at the box score and be like, well, LeBron's at 28 minutes now. What does that mean? Right. I was, uh, you know what I, you know what I, I did. Yeah. Have, I did have three beers after Alex's uh, book launch. <laughs> <laughs> so I was enjoying that in the back of the Uber ride going home. And I'm like, damn, KD versus LeBron again. At least the fourth quarter that was exciting. At least no, the fourth no, quarter was exciting. Sort of, sort of like that, that, that phone call to the, to the person that was important to you eight years ago, right? Like after a few beers, it always seems like a better idea. It's like seeing, it's like seeing you two right now at, at the Sphere, I'm sure. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, all right. No, that, that sounds just sad to me. The, the James Dolan of it all. Oh, well, anyway. Oh, God, guys. So I was just in Vegas. Oh, you've been to the Sphere? Sorry for, no. But I wanted to go. Um, Not And then I had this conversation with my wife about, like, what would be the dollar amount where it would be palatable to, like, go to the Sphere. And um, I think we landed on, like, 200 bucks. Tickets never got down that low. But then at one point she looked at me and she's like, do you even like you two? And I had a real question about that. I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, it just automatically popped onto everyone's uh, iTunes back in the day. I know. And it made people really angry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I think like I like a lot of YouTube songs. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But yes, um, to to your point, yes, it, it would have been sad, I think, being there. Okay. So uh you two are very old. They're doing a residency <laughs> here. They might have to load manage a little bit to make sure all these shows are still good. This that will pivot what back to LeBron here. Yeah, this is a radio uh, pro okay. right here. But, Dan, you mentioned it. it's a little weird to look down the, at the box score and be like, oh, there's seven minutes left in this game. LeBron's at 28 minutes. Is he going to play the, the final seven minutes here? Um, the, the talking point coming out of the actual opener where he only played 29 minutes and they lost 
the 19 minutes he sat by 19 points was basically like, yeah, this is how it's going to be. This is, like you said, they are a big picture oriented organization. And then yesterday he plays 35 and they get rinsed in the minutes he doesn't play again, even though Anthony Davis has a pretty good game. How are they going to manage that? How is LeBron going to manage just like, hey, I got I'm supposed to sit down now, but these guys are bleeding when I'm not out there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be a real issue, right? Like, and it's sort of a, you know, it's the paradox of where the team is at right now, which is like, on one hand, if you're saying like, we need LeBron James healthy, so we need to, because we need him, right? So that's why we have to rest him. But then all the evidence is saying like, you also need him now um, and you can't afford to rest him. Um, How are you going to manage that? I think, I think their hope is that their role players will kind of get their, their legs underneath them a little bit in the system and, and they'll be a little more, comfortable i mean this was a team that was very comfortable without lebron james in the second half of the season last year when he got hurt like that was against sort of when they went on their run and they figured out ways to play through austin reeves to play through d'angelo russell Rui hachimura did some really nice things for them um you know right now i kind of feel like they're all being a little passive mm. and kind of like early in the season they haven't been as aggressive as i think i mean d'angelo russell's been plenty aggressive but like i think Generally speaking, like they're still like trying to recapture a little bit of what they had. And um, that's hard to do. Every team is different. You have to kind of figure out what this team is. And and so I think the hope is that long term, you know, the way like the idea was that this roster was built to like handle that stuff better. Right. That like, you know, if LeBron can't go, I mean, you have Austin Reeves ready to step in. You have D'Angelo Russell ready to step in. You have. You know, Hachimura is a guy who showed in the playoffs that he can hit big shots, and he obviously, like, physically is somebody who, like, at least sort of, like, mimics, you know, like, he can wear, like, they can wear the same jacket, and it Mm. doesn't look absurd, you know what I mean, in a way that, like, if you put that LeBron James-sized blazer on, you know, Austin Reeves, he'd look like David Byrne. Like, it's not quite like that. I I, I think that was the hope. Um, Through two games, like, I haven't really seen it. Um, but this is like when you start to remind yourself, like it's two games, yeah. one, um, like you would have liked to, you know, like they were a little flat in game two. Like I like, you know, but as part of that, due to the fact that they were playing a son's team without, you know, Devin Booker, maybe a little, um, you know, and it, it's a little discouraging. It took him as long as it did to kind of like get into the action and, and, you know, um, the depth hasn't looked great yet, but, um, I think at this point you still look at what they did this off season and, you know, you look at the evaluation that you did on it in September and early in the preseason and you just kind of have to roll with that. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's just been a weird, it was a little bit of a weird start for them. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of explains a little bit uh, to me, at least like why I kept seeing players in the game that I wasn't expecting, like Christian Wood, like, you know, checking KD yeah. a lot in the fourth quarter. I'm like, wow, that's, that's 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 a little surprising. Like so much Cam Reddish, I, I I don't know what the vision with Cam Reddish is specifically, but you know a decent amount of him. A um, lot of Gabe Vincent. I guess that was to be expected, especially with Dennis yeah. moving on. But at the same time, you know, like it's gonna take him a little bit of time to adjust. Uh, Torian Prince starting. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess like if you had to predict like what uh, a Lakers like closing lineup would look like typically versus like what we've seen so far in two games maybe when they settle in what the Lakers closing lineup will look like because to me I was just kind of surprised by who was on the floor last night yeah I'm, I'm with you on that I mean look I don't think when they signed Christian Wood they thought like hey like we're getting this guy that we can put on Kevin Durant in the fourth quarter <laughs> I will say like Christian Wood's size like 
sure. certainly has stood out in the games he's played. Like his ability to rebound has been actually been pretty important. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, there's been more in Cam Reddish than I expected. Um, you know, but like that's sort of a, I think I expected him more at like that kind of 10th guy. And because they played Jackson Hayes sort of limited minutes, like he's actually sort of been like the eighth guy, mm. um, okay. which is, you know, that's yeah. a big, I mean, that's a, that's an extra, you know, eight, nine minutes of court time. Um, you know, it was sort of him or Max Christie was kind of the, the camp battle and the, you know, Max didn't play great after a really good summer. Cam Reddish was hurt, um, played okay in the opener. I think did some nice things defensively. I mean, like you look at that dude and it like, I mean, it makes sense why they're trying to to save him, yeah. you know, or 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 kind of figure it out with him. Um, physically, he's everything you would want in a wing. Uh, but you know, they're also the fourth team that's trying, right? You know, yeah. like like there's a reason for these types of things. I think the big surprise to me has been like not a lot of Rui Hachimura. Yeah, only twelve minutes um, last night. Yeah. Like, yeah, limited minutes for Reeves has been a little bit surprising. I don't know if that's still they're being cautious after, you know, FIBA and stuff like that. But that's been a little surprising early, um, you know, and I think like obviously like they're trying to figure out what their team looks like when, you know, obviously played 35 minutes last night. But like, I, I mean, it's even the fact that we're talking about LeBron playing 35 minutes like it was 42 minutes, you know, which right. would have been what the conversation would have been two years ago is like it just like they need to figure out how to manage those uh, those stretches without him. So. For sure. Okay, well, Dan, I appreciate you. We'll be calling you lots to check in on the LA teams. Uh, but, Guys, uh, always after Dennis Schroeder. I, I, that's my hope. Uh, well, you know, wait, as, we'll, like, as he can open for me. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. All right. We're going to take that break now because you said that. <laughs> been your host, Will Lee. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Ben Luke. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy and joining us in the studio, returning guest Keith Pompey. Looking fresh, coming through. Sixers play the Raptors uh, tomorrow. You're already getting a head start back here in Toronto. What's going on, Keith? I'm having a good time. Just as long as you don't ask me to name, uh, say Fred's name again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen. Like, nah. No, nah, Keith, though, we have a different surprise for you. I, I know uh, you, could, you probably, when you flew to Toronto, you flew in through Pearson, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I, I think usually when the flights come in from Philadelphia, the Toronto has set it up where you, you come off that flight and you see that Kawhi shot mural. I don't know if you guys... You well, know, he wasn't coming well, from Philadelphia. Oh, when you, you coming yeah, from Milwaukee this time. Yeah, oh, Milwaukee. Man. But it's actually, it's actually when you leave the airport and, like, and you go uh, oh. to the gates, you can see the mural. I gotta go to Philly more often, but um, yeah, I, I just for some reason I had this Kawhi Leonard jersey like in the uh, in the in the building, so I'm just gonna slip it on for this. But Blake, you can ask the first couple of questions as I do this for okay. no reason. My first question is gonna be about you pulling that jersey out as a surprise twice in one episode. He did this in an earlier segment. Yeah, for no reason. Uh, in an earlier segment too, uh, Keith, man. How, uh, okay, so let's let's just go with start big picture. Initial impressions here uh, of this 76ers team. Obviously, they debuted last night. Nobody really played their best game, but you come out of that with a one-point loss on the road against a very good Milwaukee team. Uh, how was the feel coming out of that one? You know what I mean? I, I, people had to be impressed by that. I, I know I was because, you know, you go in there and you're expecting them to get, as the kids say nowadays, boat race. Like, you're <laughs> expecting them to get crushed. And and they were down 19 in the first half, and then all of a sudden they fought, they fought back and they got into the game. So, you know, I was impressed with that. Now, now again, can they sustain that over 82 games? And are they 
can they beat, you know, Milwaukee or Boston in the seven-game series? Probably not. But but coming out of that, you had to be a little bit um, impressed by what they did. Yeah. Um, Kelly Oubre, already the best minimum <laughs> signing already. He League was awesome. History, man. Uh, Maxi, you know, very, very deadly. I, I know, obviously, that's a talking point from the Bucks side. It's just like, obviously, you, you, you go from Drew to, to Dame. Obviously, Dame was awesome. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, you do get a little bit of downgrade defensively. I don't know if he was doing that to uh, Milwaukee in previous matches. But Maxi's obviously, he, he's killer. But um, what do you think of Embiid, though? You know, I, I think Embiid has to get in shape a little bit. Uh, I think okay. Embiid has to get uh, adjusted to playing in the style of play that they want him to play in. Right now, you know, you think about it, last year it was a lot of middle pick and roll with Embiid and James Harden, yep. and everybody's a spacing. Now what it is is uh, Nick Nurse wants a, a free-flowing, like, motion-type offense, and he doesn't want Embiid taking a lot of shots. So hmm. you see him shooting the ball. I mean, you see him thinking before he shoots oh. and then doing okay. stuff like that. Now the one thing is, you know, Embiid needs to get a little bit in, in shape. You know, they, they said he was ramping things up. So, you know, he'll he'll do that. Um, but right now, Embiid looks rusty. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not too much of a surprise. What was Embiid doing in the summertime? I mean, that's a little surprising that he's a little rusty. Yeah, I, I guess my question, Keith, and I know you mentioned this in your, your write-up of the game last night, is like, okay, he plays 36 minutes, but you, you referred to it as he's still part of, in part of his ramp-up phase, right? And we that's going to be the buzzword around the 76ers this year, I think, because that's why James Harden is staying home for the ramp-up yeah. phase. Um, what does that look like for him? Because <laughs> obviously, phase, uh, obviously <laughs> they can't afford to not have him on the floor for 34, 36 minutes. Um, you know, wh- why is he maybe a little behind where we'd normally see Joel Embiid at? at the start of the season, what is that plan moving forward? Well, you know, it's, it's crazy because for the most part, it's always been this way. Like, it's always, he's a slow starter. Like, people forget he he struggled in the beginning of last season. Like, you know, he had to get in condition. Well, he did have some foot problems in, in, in that offseason. This time, he was married. He he, he did a couple other things. He, he had the, another, not surgery, but he had to heal up his bones and stuff from from the playoffs. But you know, I, I just I just look at it like, unfortunately for him, it's just always something that he gets mm. off and he has a slow start. But in, in but to me, it just seems like when they say ramp up stage, they're they're being polite. Guys aren't conditioned; they're not in shape, and, and you know, and it's it's kind of hard to believe that you. And I hate to say it, but you know, like you said, what are you doing? Like a lot of these guys are professional athletes, so you know, you think they would be, but in Joel's case, it's just one of those things where. You know, honeymoon, he did some other things. Like I said, he was overcoming injuries. But now they just want to bring him along slowly, or they did want to bring him along slowly. And then in addition to that, he did have, like, a cold. Um, so okay. they took right. him out one game for that. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I guess you would love for him to be in, in tip-top shape um, as, you know, coming into the season. So, Keith, you mentioned some of what Nick Nurse wants to do differently with Joel Embiid on offense and more motion principle, a little less, you know, static. Hey, it's going to be Harden, Embiid, pick and roll, Harden, Embiid, pick and roll, Harden, Embiid, pick and roll. Uh, are they going to ask for him to, to for him to do more on the defensive end as well, mm-hmm. where he does have that ability to, you know, cover a lot of ground, but more traditionally, Philly's been like, okay, let, let's be mindful of the defensive workload. Is, is Nurse going to ask for more of him on that oh, side yeah, too? yeah, most definitely. And, and I think then... So this is where we were Nick Nurse's thinking, right? So you look at the Sixers in the past, right? So you saw Embiid. I mean, Embiid played the Raptors a lot. People here, some hey, people still hate him, right? We know. But, He'll be but, booed but, tomorrow. But, <laughs> he will but, be. But, but you know, like, Embiid scores 
a lot of points in yep. the regular season, right? Yep, yep. And then in the playoffs, teams know how to adjust. And what else can Joel do, right? Yeah, we know he can be a rim protector, but what Nick Nurse is doing is he's implementing them to be more of a team player, okay. so to speak. And what that does is that's on both ends of the floor. So what you're what they're trying to get Joel Embiid to do is like, yes, he's going to be the rim protector. But in the past, there were certain times whenever a big will pop out, you know, in the perimeter, then somebody was they would switch and somebody would run out there. Mm. Now you see Joel going out there. You see Joel being a little bit more aggressive. So you know, those are the things that Nick Nurse is trying to do. But what that does is you're not using up all your energy on the offensive end right. because you're trying to score every possession. You're now you're, you're having some stuff that you can, you know, be a, a quality two-way player. Right. You know, that's a, I mean, that's not surprising because I think for, for us here, we're, we're really familiar with Nick, the way he likes to coach. You know, he's really focused on that defensive end. Uh, he'll get creative sometimes on offense, but he gets really, really creative on defense. Uh, obviously, you guys know that from the two playoff series the Raptors have uh, matched up with Philly. Um I know one of the big points for Nick when he was here in Toronto was ball pressure. He always had his guards, wings, mm-hmm. whoever, press up on the ball all the time. A lot of double teams as well. But that could have been a little bit of function of the Raptors roster. Have you seen a little bit of that from, from the Sixers so far? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because, um, not funny, I always say that word, but, you know, they have a guy, in it, a young dude by the name of Jaden Springer, right? Okay. And he's the guy that's probably uh, best suited for that, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he could pressure the ball. The problem is where they lose stuff is, is like Tyrese Maxey is a great scorer, but he has to grow more a little bit on a defensive end, right? Okay. But, but yeah, they're trying to pressure the ball, but, you know, it's one of those things where then you have DeAnthony Melton. He can do it, but for the most part, they don't have the defenders that Nick had that, that was capable of doing it in Toronto, in my opinion. Right. It's so, two different styles for sure. Yeah. For sure. And with respect to Springer, you know, it, it's one thing to put him out there if he's the only guy who at this point can't play Nick Nurse's offense, but you also have P.J. Tucker in a corner. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. Paul Reed's out there who, you know, you're, gonna, you're only going to ask for so much from him versus what you'd ask for from Embiid. Um, so the Springer question I saw come up a couple times in the, with the Sixers in preseason because the other thing we know about Nick, at least in Toronto, was he would play those starters a lot and he wouldn't yeah. go very deep into the rotation. The rap, you know, Siakam led the league in, in minutes per game each of the last two years. All of their guys were up playing, you know, their key guys were playing 36, 37, 38 minutes a game. Um, it didn't look like that last night for Philadelphia. He went nine deep and then Springer as a 10th guy got five minutes. But what is Springer's path to more playing time if Nick is going to go a little deeper? You know, I, I think foul trouble, not getting into foul trouble, that's one thing. And, and, and secondly, you know, we know he can defend, but knock down your shots, mm-hmm. right? Take advantage of them and knock them down. He didn't have a lot of attempts. And and the thing is, you know, Jaden, you know, he had two very nice blocks, two nice ones. But at the same time, in those five minutes, I believe he was a, a negative 10, a minus 10. Yeah. So if you're not providing offense and you can block some shots, but if you're a minus 10, then a the coach is going to be like, yo, this game is getting good, getting real. I, I can't keep you out there. So I think he has to bring it on the offense. He has to stop the foul and the reaching, stuff like that. But in his defense, he was they did have him defending Dame. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kinda kinda tough for him. Yeah, let me know your thoughts on your Dame and, and the debut uh that he had. Thirty nine points last night, uh a Dame number of time down the stretch, man. Dame time down the stretch, seventeen free throws as well. I mean, I don't know, man. This is exactly what they <laughs> what they ordered. 
Yeah, it was. And it was funny because, like, when you look at it in the first quarter, he really didn't do much, right? Mm. Then he scores, like, 17 points in the second <laughs> quarter, right? So then, like, there's a third quarter. You're like, look, it looks like, okay, Nick did a pretty good job. He made yeah. adjustments. <laughs> he made adjustments. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dane was like this. Uh. And then 14 points in the fourth, you know, won the game for him. You know, when you look at that, um, you know, you, you say to yourself, this is what this team needs, right? Mm-hmm. A guy who could come in and be the closer, take the pressure off of them. They looked they look well. The, my only concern about that is how is Giannis going to feel? Like right now everyone's happy, but right. if, if like, I hope, I don't think Giannis is this type of player, but sometimes you got to get buy-in because guys, especially the megastars, the MVP-type people, right. they want – the ball in their hands down the down the stretch, and it was in Dame's hands. Right. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, if we're gonna be real about the Bucks, like they gotta they gotta know what their issue was, right? Close yeah. time, crunch yeah. time offense. It, it ran dry. Like we yeah. saw that the yeah. series last year, and what Jimmy Butler did to them. I mean, it's not just what Jimmy did, but it's also what you know Milwaukee couldn't do in response to what Jimmy did because you obviously got to give it back to them. But I mean, honestly, like even watching, like the Bucks were running those like double screens at like half court on the logo. Mm-hmm. Like that's not even a play for anyone else in the league other than yeah, Damon stuff. No, that's yeah, special. to have both your guy, both your top I've guys in the horns come up. The logo, yeah, man. damn, that's, that's yeah, that, that was crazy, right? And, and here's <sighs> the tough part: is like, and, and this is maybe what I do to sell Giannis on this is like, okay, last night was Dame's night, but say Philly had started really aggressively trapping Dame on those super high ones, then Giannis has the floor four on three. Yeah. underneath right so maybe it's something where and again it takes the buy-in but maybe some nights it's Giannis's night maybe some nights it's dame's night depending on how a defense adjusts to that yeah you're right you're right i mean that's that's tough to stop like defending against them like you said <laughs> from from way out there that play. That's and, not and then play. not only that they have other guys and the funny yeah. part is like chris middleton didn't even play well well he didn't play a lot of minutes either. 16 yeah play 16 but you look at it and you know once you get him going too right they're going to be a, a, a tough out yeah, no, listen, I mean, I think that's one thing that Nick does a really good job of, and you'll see that a lot in Philadelphia. He always comes up with really great schemes to take away the top players and makes it like they're – they might leave the third or fourth guy wide open all night, but, you know, he's going to shut down the, th- the top player. I mean, there was that infamous game where Embiid had, like, zero, right? You know, and so like, – I mean, opposite. Harden, when Harden was yeah, with the Rockets, yeah. and they yeah, would yeah, – yeah. you know, they ended up losing the game because Houston got just hot enough on corner threes. They were here, <laughs> and everyone like was like, yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. losing their mind. But, right. like, if, yeah, if Ben McLemore hits seven threes and that's how you lose, that's uh, that's preferable. I guess the other thing for Milwaukee is, you know, you mentioned, Will, that the, the idea here is to make sure you're better in the crunch time offensively and you can get those key buckets. There is a defensive downgrade here, and, and I know you mentioned Tyrese Maxey's big game yesterday, Will. He had 31 points with, with eight dimes. Um, at least for the portion where James Harden is out here, Keith, how much are they going to rely on Tyrese Maxey? I mean, last night he was he was their number one scorer, um, but it, we've seen here in the playoffs, in the regular season, just how dynamic he is. It, is Nick Nurse really going to lean on him as, like, maybe the top scoring option while Harden's out? Yeah, is, well, and, and I think even when Harden comes back, I think he wants Maxey to take that role. Not, I'm not saying he's hmm. saying, I want you to be better than him. But Nick Nurse wants uh, Maxie to attempt at least twenty shots a game. Wow! He wants him wow. to do that. So when you, when you when you see that and you hear that, it's kind of sort of like he sees the progression. Think about this, y'all. A couple years ago, two, it was exactly two years ago. Nick Nurse went into that series, mm-hmm. and he was initially thinking like, "We got to stop Harden, and we have to stop Embiid." Yep. And then all of a sudden, he was like, "Well, I think we got to stop Harden from getting in the passing lanes." And we got to start sending stuff at Maxi. Mm. So 
With that being said, he knows exactly what this guy can do. So, yeah, right now his, his role is to score. His role is to be, you know, a, dis, a distributor at times, but he wants him to be the offensive guy. And I think that speaks a lot to whereas he wants that free-flowing thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, MB won't stunt, a, you know, a guy yeah. like Maxie's growth because Maxie could be someone special, someone who can ascend in his league. I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously he's already, like, one of the most electric guards in the league already, but I think it's interesting because Nick hasn't had a guy like that in Toronto, right? In, in all of Toronto's time here, it was, like, Kyle Lowry, who's, who's – does a lot of things, but scoring is, like, you know, just one of those things, right? And then Fred was, like, scoring, but, like, on-ball, off-ball, you know, like, a little bit like that. Like, nobody nearly as electric as Paint pressure is, like, something the Raptors were lacking for for so long yeah. that, that Tyrus Maxey can and, really and deliver. Honestly, thinking back to that series that, that Keith was mentioning two years ago, like, Maxey was, like, the number one reason why the Raptors got killed in that he series. He put up, like, 21-5-5 five and, five and shot 50-40-90 in that series. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that was, like, one big part of his breakout to see that happen in the playoffs, but... Um, yeah, I guess I'm curious a little bit in terms of the rest of the things with Nick. So it seems like all the players are really buying in right now. I mean, if they weren't buying in right now, it'd be a real problem. But like, <laughs> how is the how's the mood and the vibe around with Nick and the players so far? You know, so far it's so good. Like, you know, initially, like when they were saying it, because you know, let's face it, elephant in the room is James yes. Harden not being here. Yes, right. Of so it, guys were like, "Oh man, this is great. It's great." And you're looking at him like, "Come on, man, tell me what you really feel, <laughs> yeah, right?" Yeah, yeah. But then you look at it, but they they like Nick. You know, and it's okay. it's like for them, it's kind of like a a breath of fresh air, right? Okay, yeah. Because you know, when you like as we talked about before, it was one of those things where um, they had a two man game going. Now Nick is getting dudes like you mean I can shoot the ball? <laughs> yeah, like you know what I mean. So they right. they all like him, man. They love okay. him, and also let's face it, you know, they had a lot of respect for him. They hated Nick. When they when he was coaching against them, right? But they got respect for him because of that, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's so funny because um, I think it's the function of coaching. Sometimes you hear the same voice over and over again, and no matter what they're saying or what they've done, you just get annoyed at them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think obviously when Nick was first promoted, it was like it was fantastic. It literally won the championship, right? And then the next couple, he wins Coach of the Year, and he gets all these accolades. But then eventually you get to the point last year was like, oh, man, you know, he, he's looking to move on. I remember that press conference. You asked him, right? You asked yeah. him a question. You were, and that was – you didn't ask him, like, hey, are you going to quit? You asked him, like, you know, you had a weird season. Like, how's it going for you? Like, general <laughs> yeah. question. You know what I mean? It was, like, it was like, how are you doing? And he's like, actually, I got – I've been here for 10 years. I've got to reevaluate things. <laughs> and lo and behold, he's in Philly. But, like, you just get tired of a guy eventually. And it's, it's, it feels in the same way in Toronto because it was like – when you're saying well, how the players are responding to Nick, it's like exactly how the players are responding to Darko. And sometimes you just need to hear a different voice eventually. You know what I mean? And it's, I guess it's nobody's fault necessarily. You just kind of get True. a little stale in, in the league. And I mean, it's similar to why they moved off of Brown for Rivers in the first place. And then obviously that butted up against the same spot in the playoffs. So what what is the big, like on-court stuff is one thing, but from a personality management side, what is the a, a difference you've noticed between Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse so far? You know, I mean, I, I guess Nick might be a little bit more laid back than Doc was. You know, Doc Rivers walks into the room. It's Doc Rivers. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Everybody wants to talk to him. You know, Nick is, you know, he won a championship. He, he um, A lot of things. He knows basketball. But it's just a different approach, you know, a different style. Like, the one thing I will say about Nick that um, that he does is, is, like, you know, you guys know his practices, right? Yeah. He has the music blaring and this mm-hmm. and that. He has the team DJ at practice. He took <laughs> yeah, them to yeah. training camp and everything. So the guys are really getting into it. Like, you know, it's, nice. that's some, you know, psychological stuff that Nick is doing. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. On them. And, and they all like it. But I like Nick. Like, 
you know, the thing about Doc, you know, Doc was cool, and, and I still like Doc to this mm-hmm. day. Um, but is even with the media, it's just a new voice. It's like you ask Nick a yeah. question, and, you know, coaches, they do speak in coach speak, yeah. but it's a different coach speak, right? So it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. okay yeah, 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 yeah. Different. You can yeah. run back the same story, but with new quotes. Yeah, no. with new quotes. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but Nick got some great stories. You know, has he hit you guys with a British basketball league story, yeah, a, a little yeah. BBL story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I mean, it is called yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. That's a friend, friend of the show, <laughs> Sam Decker. <laughs> you want to know a, <laughs> a guy we know who played for the right, Sam Decker, if you remember him yeah, from the yeah, Bucks. Yeah, yeah. He was the BBL MVP last year. And I, I've he never texted BBL someone MVP, so many congrats huh? about being the BBL MVP before. Oh, uh, man. No, no. Nick Nick has, like, an endless amount of, like, D-League stories. Yeah. You know, like, uh, British basketball league stories, you know, like, all this other stuff. But also, I, I just the appreciate... The bus breaking down. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the way to the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, like, had to drive the bus back in the day when he was coaching some... I don't even know, like, Continental Basketball? So yeah, I, I mean, I it was... Know, yeah, man. this... The, yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, okay, we got to talk about the James Harden situation. Okay. You know, it, it's 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 come to that point. Um, do you know why he he he's, he hasn't shown up specific for practice? Is that well, for public consumption? I guess even. Um, well, it, it's two things. Well, you know, there's there's two lines of thinking, right? Okay. The one is that he's frustrated because he yeah. wants to get traded to the Clippers. There's nothing happening. You know, he may feel like Daryl Morey is, like, stalling it, right? Mm -hmm. He's asking for too much, right? So if you're James, you want to get traded, and I've been a nice soldier, so to speak. Well, maybe they need to miss me. But then there's other people saying that his mom is sick. That's why I I asked, yeah. Yeah. So there's other people saying that. Then you got some people saying, yeah, the mom is sick. But he's still, you know, <laughs> so you know, it's both. Yeah, so it's okay. both. So I, I don't okay. know, like, but I right, do right, know, right. like, the mom is sick, yeah. Um, and you know, he wanted to go spend time with her. But it was just a matter of, like, you know, the, the the problem was, you know, everybody's talking about James went to Houston. Well, the team went to Brooklyn after after practice to go to a game, and then they had a, the game was on Monday, and they were off on Tuesday. So James not being with the team wasn't really a problem. The problem was he didn't show back up mm. on on Wednesday when practice re- resumed. So, okay, so I can, you know, we can understand that part of it. And certainly there's a nuance here to what James is dealing with that we, we can't really know. Uh, but then he shows up the other day ready for this Milwaukee game, ready to come to Toronto. So whatever James Harden's side of this and what he's going through and his willingness to or to not play, he shows up when the regular season starts and presumably is ready to go and the Sixers don't take him on the road. So what is the Sixers side of this? What is their stance on, you know, hey, I know they use the term ramp up and we kind of joked about it, but James Harden, I think, would tell us that he could have been in the lineup yesterday. He could be in the lineup tomorrow, but he's not. Yeah, the the, the Sixers take on it and it's kind of like when you think of it, it's kind of like you understand where they're coming from. Like, like, dude, like, we respect you, but you haven't been here for 10 days. Yeah. And then you, you're showing up, and, like, no one knew until the night before that you were coming back. So then you want to go on a trip. But, right. nah, you need to work out, and they wanted him to work out with the G League guys, they said, um, and, you know, the G League and the two-way guys. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you left us initially. You didn't tell us like we we like you just it was practice, and yeah, we yeah. like where's James, right? Yeah. 
And then the next day we find out it's a personal thing, or later on we find out it's a personal thing. But then all of a sudden now it's like you're not here, and then you just show up, and it's like, okay, I'm going on a trip. And it's like, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. Right. I mean, I kind of understand that in a way. You know, it's, it's I, I basically understand, you know, their reason. But I also understand why he wanted to go. But sometimes I think you do have to have some rules, right? Right. Of course, you know? man. Of it's course. also, it's got to be tough in Nick Nurse's shoes, not only to be dropped into this situation, but also, like, the way James Harden plays offensive basketball is going to dramatically change what you're doing on the court, right? Wait, hold on. Before you guys answer that, can I can I can I give a little Nick Nurse impression? If just I have someone in your head, no. If, if I just had okay. to prete- uh, pretend to be Nick Nurse, okay. if I had to be answered right? that question from Keith, right? I'd be like, you know, well, Keith, you know, down when I was at Iowa, you know, in, in, in the D League, you know, like rosters changed every day, you know, so you just gotta yeah. you gotta lace them up, couple with new game plans, and you gotta roll out there and compete, try to get the win. Is that, the, what, is the, that what he would say? He said, I know he said, too well, he man. Said, or, or he'll say, or he'll say, you know, I have. Six starters. Six, you know, I got oh, a plan A. And oh, I we got, got that one. Oh, got we that got that one, one for a year. Uh, yeah, the championship year, they had seven starters. Yo, they only oh, really? ever started five of them, <laughs> but they had seven starters. Yeah, it's like you're on an interview with your ex right now. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, they know all the moves. They know all the moves. Okay. The only thing you're missing is you didn't you didn't sprinkle in there, right? Oh, so yeah. I'm in yeah. Iowa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the lineup's always changing. You don't know who you're going to start, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I had Isaiah Cannon one game, but I didn't have him the next game. You know, I had to change it up. Okay, um, last thing on Harden is just, obviously, we know the Clippers. You know, we, we honestly, we it's the most transparent negotiation at this point. We know Terrence Mann is one of the, the key figures that uh, Philadelphia want to acquire, but, you know, L.A. doesn't want to let him go. Is there any chance another team surprise jumps in here? Any other? Is there? Is it just no, a one right team now. It's right now is a one team, but it could yeah. be it could be some other teams, and and this has happened. Like and and this is why if you're the seventy sixers, you you, you got to think long and hard before you make a move, because and, and I'm just throwing this out there. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say, for instance, if it's the Chicago Bulls, mm. I mean they already had a players only meeting the first game, <laughs> right? Right. Right. Time, right, so, time. right. So if you're the Chicago Bulls and you start struggling. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you look at a guy like Zach Levine, who has a lot of years and a lot of money left on his contract. But you feel like it's time to rebuild and you can get some picks. Well, then they may say, you know what? We can trade Zach. Mm. And then for right. James and then James comes off the books right. at the end of the season. And the Sixers were like, well, you know what? That's the all star player that we kind of want. Right. And that's someone that MB gets along with. That's someone that we feel like can coexist with Maxi, right? Um, and so, yeah, but for that to happen, you have to wait. Right. So there's probably going to be some other deals out there if the Sixers wait. And But who knows? Like, you never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, you just never know. So you don't know if you want to do that. The other hard part of it is if you wait, presumably James Harden wants to make sure he's still getting paid, so he's going to show up and do these things. How do you think it's going to operate if they do choose to wait and James Harden is available and he's playing games for this team? Because this is a, I mean, not only a first-time head coach, but like P.J. Tucker, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, like Pat Bev, there are veterans in that room who, you know, how might they react to James Harden having, yes, one foot in and trying hard because they're all professionals and competitive, but, you know, maybe being one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, and, and that's a tough question right there. See, the, and ideally, like if James Harden played the way he did last season in the regular season, being the distributor, leading the league in assists, then the Sixers are saying, wow, we have a really good team yeah. right now, right? So, but the thing that like you appointed to, you bring him in here, you got to see what his mental state is like, right? You you have to. 
And if it's not, you don't you don't want them. But the thing is, those several of those guys you said, like Patrick Bev, like he loves James Harden, PJ Tucker, right hand man. Yeah, a lot of guys on this, like the the coaching staff, from to the players, the majority of the players on the team have great relationships with James. They all love him. So you would think that that it will benefit the Sixers that James and Daryl Morey, you know, got into a room and, and you know, yeah. got it all out because you think that it could work out. But like you said, one foot out the door, I don't know if I want to depend on that if I'm a coach. You know what I mean? Because you just don't know what the guy is, how he's feeling. Right. Um, on the other end of this, everyone's watching for if the Sixers do – Really, really struggle. Worst case scenario comes around. I don't know. Maybe MB. You know, I'm sure. Obviously, there'll be every team in the league will be lining up, basically, except for maybe the Denver Nuggets. Every team in the league, other than Denver, will be lining up to to call about the reigning MVP. Uh, you had a piece, and, and you reported that the Knicks have some interest in Embiid. What would a what would a Knicks package even look like for Embiid? Let's just even start there. I like, mean, the package they that they offer, and that's not going to get the job done. What's like, that? What's that not, package, man? That, well, from what I was told, uh, like the Knicks are willing to give up three players, but there's a pool of four. So okay, it's, Julie, okay. it's Julius Randle, right? It's R.J. Barrett, right? It's Evan Fournier, and it's the, what's the guy, the um, the backup center? Mitchell Robinson? Mitchell Robinson, wow. right? So everybody except for Brunson, who, who everyone well, would actually yeah, want to get. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. So you got to realize, so the, with the Knicks, but see, and then the Knicks are willing to give up uh, two to three draft picks. But see, this is what it's all about. The Knicks are um, under the they're, – they're hoping. I'm not going to say under the assumption. They're hoping and they're praying that it's going to get so bad in Philadelphia yeah. to where Embiid is going to say, get me out of here, get me out of here. And it comes to a point, you know, when players say that, yeah. sometimes it lowers their trade value. Well, we say it with so James right you, now. Huh? We say it with James right now. Yeah, you see it with James. So whereas it's like, hey, look, dude said he wants out. Yeah, like we we got draft picks for you. We have we have players. Yeah, yeah. Do what you want with them. But we're here, like he's he wants out. But I think that with Embiid, the fact that you know he's a talented player. Like you know, we, you talked about the Joker. You know, you can argue back and forth. You know, who's the best player? Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, I think that for Embiid, when you see other guys got a whole lot more for them, yeah, that. That's not going to work. For the the Knicks package isn't going to work. Yeah, that's that's like trying to pull up to the Benz dealership and trying to buy it with your bus pass. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I mean, that, if, that, that was not a good trade. Look, if Joel Embiid hits the market and, and your offer isn't anywhere near the Rudy Gobert return, like, what what yeah, are you doing exactly. there, right? Like, yeah. I get it. You could throw picks and more picks and more picks, but the Knicks also could have, you know, they could have been in on Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. if they want to do that or whatever. It's and in this case, you'd be opening Embiid up to the entire league, not just yeah, to yeah, you know the Harden thing here that people seem to assume is clip or nothing or who knows maybe the heat get in later whatever isn't beat still happy though like in philadelphia you know it is that's a great question because you know he says he is right he does but he he also had the cryptic tweets you know but he's trolling exactly he's always on both he's always on the fence yeah exactly like to me when i see those tweets and again i haven't asked him about it okay um but when i see tweets like that what it's telling me is that's a message to the front office. Like, look, man, mm. like hey, you, you yeah. see what Milwaukee um, just accomplished. You see what, uh, you know, uh, the Celtics did, other people. 
come on, y'all got to do something. Yeah, like, seriously. I'm watching. Yeah. Because even before they made those trades, they were moved. Remember free agency? Mm. All these guys were getting these yeah, great you guys contracts. Were, you guys weren't doing nothing. They didn't do anything. They signed minimum contracts. Yeah. But they did. Their biggest move, two moves this offseason was um, uh, Paul Reed, the backup center. Yeah. They matched him. And then Kelly Oubre, they gave right. him, you know, the minimum deal. That was the two big moves. Mm. But you look elsewhere, yeah, New on. York, other teams were just getting better, and the Sixers didn't. Right. Um, we were told, last mm. thing on this, <laughs> I can't believe I'm looking at this in the rundown. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz trade request. This is actually a topic request from our producer, Alex Wong. Um, so uh, apparently, at least on the Sixers side, Furkan is at two trade requests up on James at once. So you got to walk us through this uh, this pressing conversation. Aggregators, get ready for this one. I know. You got to. <laughs> no, so I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, no, nah, what, what happened is when Furkan, so Furkan was one of those guys who, you know how, like, you're a draft and stash. Okay. But then yeah. what happened is you, you, like, you get out of your contract and you want to come over. So he came over. But what happened is, is this was like a couple years, a couple seasons ago, several seasons ago. But what happened is it was like they just kept sending him to the G League. They didn't really have a lot of right. time and rotation for him. He got injured. But he wanted to play. He wanted to play. So he requested a trade to go somewhere where he could play, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. The following year, it was like he had his best season, yeah. right? I mean, the guy had, I think he had back-to-back three point, uh, 30-point games off the bench, what have you. Then the next year, he struggled a little bit. The team didn't know if they really wanted to resign him. It was just a lot of crazy stuff. But then this past season it was kind of like he got in Doc Rivers' doghouse. Right. Now, the thing about Furk is he's not a really – he's not a good defender, right? He's a solid shooter, and he can handle the ball. But when he got in the game defensively, people used to attack him. Okay. So what happened is he asked for a trade. Mm. He basically asked for a trade, and they they couldn't get one for him of the value that they thought, and now he's back. Mm. I mean, I think he's probably being held at this point. I mean, depth if you need him, but having a guy who makes five point four million—that's helpful yeah. salary matching. If you if exactly. you do a trade later, right. even if, even if he doesn't have a ton of value, that salary is a you know an expiring exactly. that you can make the math work for. Yeah, I take a flyer in Toronto, man. Toronto, we we have some shooting issues here. Uh, and then the last thing I have in here on the notes is uh, Ferk has swag. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah walk <laughs> yeah, us through that. Right. Come on, man. He's not yeah. just requesting trades for no reason. Yeah, Ferk, yeah. See, so like. All right, so I, I'm a I'm a I'm a old head, but I'm a sneakerhead too. Like okay. I like my sneaks, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so whenever I go and there's a look at stuff, and I kept seeing Ferk with Air Force Ones and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, and I'm like, yo, Ferk. I mean, Ferk Ferk has swag. Like he's okay. a, you know he's yeah. from Turkey. You know what I mean? So is you know he he walks with a little bit. You know, Ferk is <laughs> okay. he is he's yeah, like wow. Ferk is, is cool. That. Yeah, Ferk okay. is yeah Ferk is a, yeah that's he's the, he's He's him, as they say. He's him. <laughs> he's him when it comes down to the, the dress. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, nowadays he's wearing more, like, sweats and stuff like that. But, okay. you know, because, you know, the guys just go to the facility, yeah. go home. But, yeah, yeah Ferk. Ferk is cool. Like he's 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 a cool dude. But he's he's probably doing what you're doing here, where you roll up with us in sweats, and you've got the you've got the kicks that match the sweatsuit. Yeah, that's because people I'm, can't see it that well. But that's because I'm born. I like I just like <laughs> I'm born. But let me tell you this, like Ferk, I'm gonna laugh because you know how they get the, uh, the 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 European players. Yeah, yeah. So everybody assumes that they don't speak English. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> oh, it's like so the see for Jackie Chan in Rush Hour. <laughs> so. So, like, we go over to Furt, and I'm like, yo, man, you think he speak English? And they're like, 
Like, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Okay, I'll ask him a question. <laughs> hey, man, what's up? What's up, man? What's up? Oh, what? I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah it was like crazy because, you know, you like. Yeah, you never you know. know. You just never you know. know. But but in a way, that's like American ignorance, though, too. Yeah. You oh, but, but I mean, at but the it same time. It could be Canadian ignorance. <laughs> hey, honestly, <laughs> so, we have the same thing here, man. You never know, yeah. but. No, you know, honestly, a lot of these guys they uh, they, they grow up a lot uh, on American media, and I think that's that's, what that's he where. Said. Yeah, exactly. Well, he told me he said as a kid, um, he knew he wanted to be an NBA player. So what okay. he what he did is he like studied English early, and he just started like growing up on American right. TV, and then you know, so yeah, he's. I'm telling you, like, he doesn't. You know how there's certain guys, certain guys who don't play a lot, mm. so a lot of people don't get to know him or they yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. know him. But he's he's a, a a nice guy, a nice guy. You've changed my whole perspective on uh, Burkhan Corfman's man. Come down to Toronto. We we can use a shooter like you. <laughs> All right, uh, Keith. We appreciate you so much, man. I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of the day in Toronto. You're getting some great weather in Toronto, so get around. Um, I know you're quite familiar with the city already, but uh, appreciate you joining us on the show once again. All right. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Of really course, man. Appreciate it. Every time, every single time. All right, we're gonna take another break. I've been your host, Willu. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joining me for the final segment here as we tee up Raptors Bulls, which will take place tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, is uh, co-host Blake Murphy. Blake, you excited to uh, see the Chicago team? Uh, honestly, I don't like playing a team after they have a players-only meeting. It's just you are going to get a more motivated result almost every time. Here's the other thing is that I don't think the Raptors are equipped to shoot 19 of 39 on threes, which is what OKC did to beat Chicago by 20. Uh, Managed to watch back a little bit of that one Mm. this morning, just getting ready for tonight's game. And I mean, Chicago didn't look good, but OKC was like, you shoot 19 to 39 yeah, on yeah. threes. If you're any like that is going to okay. bury a team. And that's, uh, but yeah, they weren't very connected defensively. We saw a version of them in the preseason without Alex Caruso. And they look pretty good defensively against mm. Toronto. Now Toronto has some of its own spacing challenges and things like that. But this is a Chicago team that can defend better than you might think looking at a personnel that has DeMar, Kobe White, and Zach Levine in the starting lineup. Uh, so, Will, the Bulls team that we saw in the preseason did not have Alex Caruso. The Raptors didn't have Jakob Pertl or Precious Achua, though. Uh, what are you most curious about tonight? I mean, I, I just want to see which version of the Bulls comes out. You know what I mean? Like, I think... Um, Maybe this is just the only version of the Bulls. Is Well, <laughs> I, I think that might be the case. But, you know, you never know. Like, again, like, I hate to say players are playing for pride in game two of, of the 82-game season. Maybe playing for pride in game two of the playoffs. You, you hear that sometimes, but um, no, I mean, I, I'm expecting a more rejuvenated effort. I think going back to that uh, game that they played in the preseason, I think that's a huge part of why that game was competitive. I mean, the Bulls defense was, was good. Don't get me wrong, but I thought the Raptors starters did really well. I thought Scotty at center really did really well against them. Um, and I also thought that part of why Scotty did so well at center against them is because, you know, uh, Chris fouled out trying to guard Nikola Vucevic. Well, now you got Jakob Pertl in there, totally different size matchup plus precious as well. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the absences, I think Toronto had more on our side. Plus, I think it was like the third unit and the second unit that was really getting, you know, uh, burned a lot by Chicago in that game. So, uh, whatever. It was like a preseason game. Who cares? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Bulls, I guess I, I I guess I'm just waiting for them maybe eventually to, like, you know, just, like, call it quits with yeah. this group. Like, I don't really see the full upside. I think at least in Toronto you can say, like, well, you know, even if you want to, like, you know, break down some of the pieces here in Toronto, like, you have young players that you can, like, just turn the team over to. I don't get that same sense of like if they just like 
you know, in Chicago, there's not that same thing. It's not like you trade DeMar and it's like, okay, Patrick Williams, here you go. Because, like, that's not going to look good at all. No. You know? or, or there's no other guy that you would really even say that that's sort of the direction. That's where you really do have to make those hard decisions. But, yeah, I'm curious what you think uh, the, the, the direction of the Chicago franchise is going. Yeah, I mean, I think they've dug in on, on this particular team a little too long. You know, we talked about Michael, to Michael Pena about it, about even though he picked them to host the yeah. playoff series in the East. Right. You know, you can quibble with re-signing Vucevic. It's probably better to have him on that deal and look to trade him later than to lose him for, for sure. nothing. Yeah. DeMar is a pending free agent. Zach Levine, that situation seems like one where, like, if they pivot and DeMar and Vucevic hit the market, you may as well pivot off of Levine, mm-hmm. too, and see what the market would be like for him. See if you can get, you know, a mini version of the Donovan Mitchell return, say, uh, back for that and kind of kickstart things. But this front office hasn't operated that way. Yeah. Uh, I think on the court, the thing I'm most curious about is they were the number five defensive basketball last year. Mm-hmm. And again, personnel-wise, I don't really see it. Like, Patrick Williams is kind of there's still the potential to be like a Raptor style defender. That's how the bulls people talk about him. Um, And Alex Caruso is obviously very, very good, but he plays 20 minutes a game off the bench. That's Mm -hmm. not going to affect your defense. Um, And weirdly they had, you know, what they did really well defensively last year was similar to what Toronto's edict was, is they control the possession game. Well, they were top six forcing turnovers. They were the third best defensive rebounding team. They never really sent teams to the free throw line. So they had this ability to, even they did, they had DR DeRozan back there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's Sorry. the that's Sorry. the big player prop for tonight is DR DeRozan's impact. Screams for 48. Hey, it's a Friday night, you know? Like, it's the weekend coming up. You know, DR DeRozan could be out of school and sitting baseline. Yeah, um, so there's more to go to this weekend. But before we, we move off to the Philadelphia 76ers games, it's time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. So, Will, the Toronto Raptors were minus one favorites in their home opener. They come through. They win by... Three mm. in that game. Tonight, they'll play against the Bulls as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. The over-under set at 216.5, which is you know high. H- high coming off high. of the Raptors giving uh, you yes. know winning 97-94. But the Bulls also lost. I think it was 124-104. So that yeah. one, uh, they gave it. But these two teams do kind of feel rock-fighty. Um, how are you feeling about the, the Raptors being two-and-a-half-point dogs in this one? I'm a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I think uh, uh, Toronto matches up. Uh, Decently with Chicago. I know I said that about Minnesota as well, which I actually do stand with. But, um, yeah, I mean, expecting a similar you know, uh, situation where you put OG on their best scorer, which is DeMar still. I think it's, he's still a little bit better than Zach. Um, you put OG on DeMar, and I, you know, I think he's got so many reps guarding DeMar. I think, obviously, like, they were former teammates when OG was a rookie. You know, I'm sure they had tons of practice battles going up against each other. And so, you know, obviously they've had been in the league a lot since then, but... You put OG on DeMar, and you essentially try to quiet DeMar that way. Um, you know, you have other players. You can have a Scotty Barnes guard, a Zach Levine, or you could put a different kind of matchup against Zach Levine now if yeah. you want. If you want uh, you I was put kind Dennis of thinking, even on him, maybe? I think Dennis did such a good job on Kobe White in the preseason game and, okay. like, picking him up three-quarter court and sure. eating time okay. off, yeah. their, off their clock. Because they will, even yeah. though DeMar and Zach Levine are going to carry the scoring load, Kobe White still initiates a lot of their yeah. actions and stuff. Okay. Also, I feel like anytime we do this, the Raptors are just going to change things up a bunch anyway. But I think the way I saw it was like, obviously, Pirtle's got Bucevic. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe Pascal then? Pascal on Zach Levine. Okay. Because what that lets you do is Pat Will is going to spend most of his time in the corner. Yeah. And Scotty can kind of be a freelance helper off of that. And mm-hmm. you either trust his length to get back out to the corner and close or you, you know, you X out and have someone else uh, cover that spot if Scotty helps elsewhere. I just, I, I was so impressed with Scotty's defense around the paint and in help situations in the first game is I kind of like him Mm. in the spot where no, he's not being asked to lock down a guy one-on-one as much, but it really frees him up to create havoc with his length and his, 
you know, just the way he reads plays defensively. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, I mean, that's, these are good problems. Uh, first off, these are really good problems. I also think that um, there's an opportunity here for Toronto to play a little bit more small ball, just like last game. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I do see maybe down the stretch, you're trying to protect the lead, for example. Um, and you may or may not have Yak out there because we're probably going to run a lot of DeMar pick and rolls or like Zach Levine pick and rolls with Vucevic. And, and DeMar is the one guy that if you're running drop coverage, like, yes, you live with mid-range shots against most guys. Yeah. But if DeMar is the guy getting into the mid-range bag, you know, over top of middle pick and rolls, like that's he's one of the small handful of yeah. guys you don't, you know, you don't maybe don't love that against. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, too, it's just like even down the stretch, like most teams wouldn't run drop coverage um, when you're trying to protect that lead because mm-hmm. you want to just be at least as close and as tight as possible to those kind of shooters like a Zach, like a DeMar who are really good pull-up players. And so you might want to switch. You, mm-hmm. you might want to put Precious out there at five and you might see Precious close the game again because you can switch a lot of those pick and rolls and, and neutralize a lot of those advantages that uh, Chicago's guards may have going downhill against Yak. But then again, I think Yak, over the bulk of the game, I'm really expecting him to like you know do a much better job on Vucevic because he did hurt us a lot. Uh, two weeks ago when they played him. Yeah, and it was it was a, that was the game where Scotty played a lot of small ball five because yeah. Boucher started and got in foul trouble, and, and it was Drummond off the bench where, you know, Drummond at this stage, you're not worried about him really giving you buckets. It's more about just, hey, if you go small, can you keep him off the glass? Mm-hmm. But I think the Raptors should be pretty confident with that Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua duo, right. four or five in those, uh, in those situations. So that was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Will, the Toronto Raptors will also play the Philadelphia 76ers yeah. on Saturday back here at home. There is, of course, the back-to-back caveat. The 76ers will be fresher. Uh, they will not have James Harden at last report. By the way, uh, nobody on the Bulls Raptors injury reports except for Christian Coloco and Lonzo Ball, who we know. Yeah. Uh, so so nothing there. The 76ers, uh, what are you expecting from that one? And I guess more to the, to the point of today's conversation with Keith, what do you expect the response to be for Nick Nurse? I think the response should be positive. I mean, like, yeah, we could be a little salty about how it all ended and, you know, last year. And Again, we, we've gone through this so many times, but the man won us a championship. Yeah. Th- this might be the only championship we see in Toronto in our lifetimes. And so I'm like... Don't, it, don't put that evil on me. That doesn't matter, man. That's why I'm eternally grateful to every single member, including, obviously, Kawhi, whose jersey I'm wearing. Should, we should retire in the studio. It should be retired somewhere in Toronto, the number two in Toronto. Um, but seriously, no, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to every single member who contributed towards that championship. And, like... Like, look, years down the line, am I going to think about, like, okay, you know, like, the last season when Nick really got a little frosty and, like, you know, this, and he was calling guys out or, nah. you know, he was wilding with the coaches, whatever. Like, honestly, like, eventually I don't care. Like, I actually, what I remember most is that man squatting in those, like, glasses <laughs> in that blue suit and they're winning the championship and, and, and Drake's giving him shoulder rubs. Like, that's what he did. And he, and he honestly, legendary stuff running a boxing one in the finals. You know how much guts that takes? Obviously, it was against Steph and, and you know, a lot of guys that you can run a boxing one against, but... It's innovative. It took a lot of guts to do it. And, um, and one of the hardest things to do in pro sports is to yeah. do something that nobody else is really doing. Yes. And it's yes. like, even if it can seem pretty straightforward after the fact, even if the actual box and one defense is not like crazy complex or anything like that. In fact, most people would argue zone defenses are, are simpler because, mm. and that's why you don't see them at the, at the NBA level for more yeah. than a couple of possessions at a time. It is very difficult to do something against the grain in professional sport. Yeah, that's right. And I think that what's the coolest thing is when you go against the grain and it works, the rest of the league does start to copy and eventually catch up to it. Um, and I do remember one time asking Nick, I was like, Nick, you know, your, your team is facing a lot of zone defenses these days. Like, you know, uh, why do you think that is? And he goes, well, well, why, you know, <laughs> what, where do you think they got that idea from? So, I mean, yeah, no, seriously, it was a very innovative way that he played defensively. And again, obviously, like, you, I would say it was like 
three really good years on the Nick, and then one Tampa year, which doesn't even count for anything, mm-hmm. and then one bad one. So, I mean, he's going to get a great cheer. By the way, I love that you skated by without me actually giving a pick on the Bet Rivers. Oh, my I was going to bet the Raptors. Don't worry. Everyone already knows. I know you're taking the Raptors. <laughs> this is going to be 82 Raptors picks. Yeah, They'd be go. the first team to go 82-0 and against the spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, it's not my money, but, uh, for, you know, where, where I put my emotions, which is more important than my money, is, is always on the Raptors. <laughs> um, we only have uh, about two minutes left here. Uh, just since we talked matchups with the Bulls, Tyrese Maxey is probably the guy I'm most curious about to see how the Raptors yes. handle that. Given the success OG had on Anthony Edwards, is that kind of your preferred deployment on Saturday? No. No. I want Dennis on him. Okay. Yeah. I want to see what quickness looks like against quickness. Okay. Because I think that's one of the things we didn't have in, the, in previously is like we had different versions of defenders that we can put against them, um, but never somebody arguably as quick as, as Max. You know, I think obviously you're not going to shut a guy like that down. You're going to need a lot of help defense. They're going to run a lot of screens. You might have to switch a lot, you know, um, and I do hear what you're saying with the OG thing because what the Raptors used to do was they would put like a, you know, OG on um, Harden and then they would put like one of their six, nine wings on Embiid and then switch those pick and yeah. rolls like Scotty would be on Embiid and they would switch that. Um, and and I, the, I, one of the reasons you can do that yeah. against the Sixers is P.J. Tucker will be in a corner, right? Yeah. So you can, even yeah. if you have to switch your center off, and I know it's Embiid, so you don't think, you think, hey, you'd want Pirtle against yeah. him, and you probably will for stretches, but if you don't, you can have him kind of off Tucker in a corner. Yeah, but honestly, for once, I feel like we can maybe try to play the Sixers more straight up. Mm-hmm. You have a center now to throw against Embiid, and I'm not expecting Jakob to, like, shut down Joel Embiid because they're both seven feet, right? And you have a quick guard who you can throw against Maxi, which you didn't really have in the past. But I'm not expecting Dennis to really shut down Maxi either. But can we at least see what a normal matchup looks like? Because yeah. every time we played Philly in the past, it was always some like this crazy scheme plus this crazy scheme together. And and partially that was because they didn't have the pieces. But also, and you're playing I, I, against the MVP. You're going to have to make yeah, some concessions, right? But listen, I just want maybe just one, at least the first one. If we win or lose, whatever we can live with it, we can adjust from there. Um, it is a long season, but. Yeah, let's let's see a quick guard against Maxi, and let's see a seven footer against Embiid, and you know take it from there. And I'm, then, I'm more worried about how Toronto's going to score against Philly. But yeah, that's well, that, that's that's going to be the case for 82 games this year. I think. Oh, <laughs> maybe right. take the under 82 se- times. 79 because uh, they'll play the Wizards a couple times. Wow. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please write and review the show. Thanks once again to Dennis Schroeder, Dan Wykey. Keith Pompey, producer and co-host Alex Long, our board producer, Derek Brandeo, Frank Braska, David Sis, Jeremy Manitad for helping behind the scenes, Blake Murphy, who is somehow not in this rundown. I'll talk to you guys on the React Pod.